If you are saved, if you're clinging on to that hope of salvation, if you're putting faith in that, if you're holding on to the promises that Jesus has given to us through Scripture, He is very interested in your life. He that is down needs fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. Let's humble ourselves to the Lord. Let's submit to what the Lord has called us to do. And let the Lord be the guide of our lives so we personally don't have to fear the fall of our pride. How's everyone doing? Hey, didn't worship team do great, even though I made it awkward and said for them to come up? They did a great job. Good job, worship team. Um, Where's Dante? Dante? You good? All right. Dante, way to be a trooper from that game. Um, If I find out which junior high boy did that... No, just just kidding. Anyways, we're in the second week of our series, Anxious. And who was here with us last week? Some of you guys, yeah, there's there's a lot more of you here this week. I like it. It's pretty cool to see you guys. Um, we have some new people here as well. If you're new, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Let us know. Don't be shy. New, new here. We got new back here. Uh, there's there's another guy, Ian, uh, somewhere around here. Where's Ian? Ian? Unless I'm missing. Anyway, welcome, new guys. Let's let, let the uh, new people know that we're glad to see them here uh, tonight. No? You're not going to let them know that you're glad to see the new people? Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> All right. So, last week we started our new series, Anxious. Does anyone remember what we talked about last week? Okay, what about it? What, what did we talk about? Toby, since you said something, I'm going to put you on the spot. Yesterday, yes, we were here yesterday. Yeah, we talked about some of the things that we're going to go over this week and or the next coming weeks. Um, we talked about what anxiety is. Does anyone remember what anxiety is or being worried is? What that means? Cassie. Correct. Absolutely. Very good. And we went through Matthew chapter 6, and we pinpointed in like 11, 12 verses, uh, six or seven things that we tend to get anxious about. Does anyone remember, anyone remember some of those things that we tend to get anxious about from time to time? Kayla. How the way we look. Right. I think I dropped the word drip, and you all laughed at me when I said it. Uh, Nick. Money. Yes. Yep. Anyone else? Right. What's that? School? Yeah, school work and things like that. Up back here. Job. Yes. Yep. Tomorrow. tomorrow. Right. Who fears about tomorrow? You're like kind of like what? What do I have to happen tomorrow? And we we kind of forget about today. Right. So good job. Good job. So today we're actually going to be talking about what it means to not be anxious and the command that Paul gives us and everything here. But I came across a story. Uh, in regards to a guy named John Wesley. Does anyone know who John Wesley is? No one? No one? Anyone? John Wesley? Alright, some of the leaders know who I'm talking about. Alright, so John Wesley... Do you guys even care who John Wesley is? Alright, so John Wesley was a British evangelist who helped the, the Great Britain revival that took place in the... There we go! Yeah, now we know who he is. Okay, <clears throat> so... There's a story about John Wesley who one day was walking with a troubled man who expressed his doubt as to the goodness of God, how good God was. And he said, I don't know what I shall do with all this worry and trouble. So this old, this gentleman is worried and and dealing with anxiety. Um, And at that same moment, John Wesley saw a cow looking over a stone wall. Could you imagine taking a walk and you see a cow looking over a stone wall? How many of you would go chase the cow? Oh, come on. I'm trying to, like, lighten it up here. They're on a walk, and there's a cow, and the cow's looking at the stone wall. How many of you would go after the cow? Do I need my mic? 
All right. Test, test, test. Moo. 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 There we go. All right. It's all good. All right. So, John, let's, let's get back on track here. John Wesley, British evangelist. He's taking a walk with a gentleman who's worried and troubled. And, and on the walk, they see a cow. That's why I was mooing. Okay? They see a cow, and the cow's overlooking a stone wall. How many of you would go after the cow? All right. Maybe some of you don't care. Okay. Some people like to go cow tipping. I'm just asking. Okay? Anyways. <clears throat> Anyways, John Wesley asks the gentleman... Why is that cow looking over the wall? So, okay, you're on the walk. They see a cow, and he's looking over the wall, right? Probably like most of y'all, you're like, I have no idea. Why would a cow be looking over the stone wall? And the man says, I have no idea, and who really cares? Well, Wesley responded by saying, the cow is looking over the wall because she cannot see through it. Obvious. Obviously. <laughs> The cow cannot see through it. That is what you must do with your wall of trouble. Look over it and avoid it. The article concludes by saying that faith enables us to look past our circumstances and focus on Christ. So like I said, last week we started our new series called Anxious, and we discussed what anxiety and being worried is about, what we tend to be anxious about, and how we should first seek the kingdom of God when we're dealing with anxiety. Now tonight we're gonna to go, we're going to answer the question on how do you kill anxiety? How many of you have been anxious or worried and you're like, I just want this thing gone? Whatever that worriness, anxiety may be, alright? So, we're gonna answer that question, but before we answer that, I need to ask you this question first. And you can write this down and you can talk about it in small groups. Do you believe that your anxiety can be killed? Do you believe that your anxiety can be killed? Because before you answer the question of how can I kill my anxiety, you need to first believe that you can actually kill it. And if you don't, my hope and prayer is that God's Word can show you tonight that anxiety can be killed. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, if you have your Bible... And we're only going to look at three verses here tonight in Philippians chapter 4. That's really short, because usually we do like a whole chapter, but we're going to jump around a little bit here tonight. But Philippians chapter 4. Does anyone know who wrote the book of Philippians or the letter to the Philippians? Paul, yes. We're going to talk about Paul here a little bit. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And we'll have the verses on the screen as well. And it reads as follows. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Will you guys bow your heads and join me in prayer this evening? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for everyone that is gathered here tonight, Lord Jesus. Father God, as we go into uh, this message, Lord Jesus, I pray that we truly believe that we can kill anxiety. I pray that we truly believe that we can kill worriness, that we can kill all our worries, Lord God, and that it's not by our own strength, but it's our strength in you. It's our humble obedience coming to you, Lord God. Father, I pray for all of us in here who may be in the midst of a season, or Lord, maybe you're preparing us for a season where we may have to battle against anxiety, Lord God. Jesus, I pray that you use my mouth as a vessel to speak truth to us here tonight, Lord God. 
And I pray that we can walk away believing that anxiety can be killed by your strength and your power. God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So we're going to look, take a look at uh, the author who I mentioned. His name is Paul, who wrote um, this letter to the church in uh, Philippi. Um, bonus question. Does anyone know what Paul's original name was? Shout it out. Saul. All right. Saul. So Paul was actually Saul. And if you were to read the book of Acts, in uh, around Acts chapter 8 or so, or so is where we see Saul or Paul come into the scene. Um, does anyone know what Paul did or Saul did at that point? Lynch. He persecuted Christians, yes. Do you remember one young man that he actually helped lead to get killed in Acts chapter 8? Abigail. Stephen, yes. Stephen was a young man who was preaching the gospel, and, and Saul led a persecution that ultimately led him to be killed. And he, Paul started uh, killing and persecuting uh, churches all around uh, Jerusalem and other cities. Um, in Acts chapter 8, it says this, Saul agreed with putting him to death. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. So how many of you guys would say, this guy's a bad dude? Really bad dude, right? He, he would be considered in our modern day kind of like a terrorist, uh, per se. And he's going off and he's persecuting Christians. He's persecuting those who, um, are giving praise to the name Jesus. But on his way to Damascus, where he was going to persecute more Christians, he met Jesus personally on the Damascus road. And in Acts chapter 9, Verses 4 through 6, it says this, Falling to the ground, he, Paul, heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. So Saul met the risen Lord, And right there, Jesus said to him, I have an assignment for you. Now, does anyone know what that assignment was? No? Yes? No? Say no if you don't know. Say yes if you do and you're just afraid to answer. (laughs) Somewhere in the middle, you're like, yeah, I might know. I'm not really sure. Okay. So, just a few verses later, Acts 9, verse 15 this is what Lord, the Lord said to a guy named Ananias who went to baptize and meet Saul. He said to him, uh, Ananias said, but the Lord said to him, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So the Lord Jesus, assignment for Paul was to go preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Does anyone know who the Gentiles are? Right here. Non-Christians or in that time? No, Israelites are different. Non-Israelites, yes, non-Israelites. So, non-Jewish people, so we right here would be considered Gentile people because we weren't part of the Jewish religion. Anyway. So Paul had to go pre, his assignment was to go preach to Gentiles, kings, and all the Israelites. But notice here that it says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. How many of you are kind of like, wait a minute, time out. Why does he have to suffer? Anyone, anyone ever read this? Ever out? Anyone ever read the Bible and ask a question, why is that in there? Okay, right? So th- this is one of these questions I feel like some people are like, wait a minute, time out, time out, time out. Jesus, you're going to send this guy out to preach your name, but he needs to, but he's going to suffer. 
And the answer is yes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting around verse 23, uh, Paul is giving, writing a letter to the Corinthian church, and he talks about some of the things that he went through. Now, I want you to think about what I'm about to read and ask yourself if this has ever happened to you, okay? So here's what I'm about to read. This is what Paul says that he dealt with in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting around um, verse 24. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. That means he re- five t- different times he was whipped 39 times. I don't know why he couldn't just say that, but five times he was whipped 39 times. Anyone in here ever been whipped before? No, I didn't think so. Okay. Three times I was beaten with rods. Anyone beaten with rods before? Through Roxy, okay. Um, once I received a stoning. Anyone ever been stoned? <laughs> Not that stoning. Man, how much language has changed in uh, 2,000 years. All right. So no one has had big rocks thrown at them, right? All right. Three times I was shipwrecked. Anyone ever been shipwrecked before? Meaning you're on a boat and the boat crashed and shipwrecked? What's that? Okay. All right. On a, a kayak? Okay. All right. That's fine. All right. Has anyone, this is what, this is what else Paul endured. He spent a night and day in the open sea. Anyone ever been stranded out in the sea before? For 24 hours. Well, if he was shipwrecked for a few times, I'm gonna say he wasn't really trying to. Anyone been in the open sea, shipwrecked in the middle of the ocean, trying to survive for 24 hours, not getting eaten by sharks? No? What? What, Gavin? <laughs> mm, sure, we'll give it to you. All right, no. Um, on frequent journeys, he faced dangers from rivers. Anyone that faced dangers from rivers? Like high waters or if you've gone kayaking or water rafting? Is that? Okay, all right, fine, fair enough. Danger from robbers. Anyone ever been robbed before? Anyone been robbed? Like your home been broken into, anything like that? You personally, someone comes up to you, tries to steal your wallet? Okay. Dangers from my own people. Has anyone in here before threatened your life? I hope not. Okay. We'll come talk to you guys later, figure out who threatened your life, and we'll go talk to them, okay? Um Dangers from Gentile. Have anyone, any of you, ever tried to share the gospel message and someone threatened to kill you because you shared the name of Jesus? Okay. Anyone else? No? No? Okay. Dangers in the cities. Dangers in the wilderness. Anyone ever been out in the wilderness and been attacked by a bear or... Or... What, what else do you get attacked by in the wilderness? Okay. Yes. What do you expect of us? I'm just at, I'm getting to a point here. I'm getting to a point. Alright. Alright. Dangers at sea. Anyone ever encounter a shark? A shark at sea? A jellyfish? Anyone get stung by a jellyfish? Anything? Okay. Alright. <clears throat> Dangers among false brothers. Has anyone ever talked, said something that was not true about you and you found out and you had an argument about that? Okay. Um, toil and hardship. Have it, you ever had a hard, like, life growing up? Maybe mom and dad are struggling with finances or... To- no, not toilet. Not toilet. Uh, all right. All right. Many sleepless nights. Anyone not been able to sleep very well? Okay, I think we can all raise our hand there. 
Um, hungry and thirsty. Ever ever been really hungry or thirsty because you had no food available or anything like that? Okay. Often with food. Um, cold. Anyone ever been really cold? Moving from Dubai to here doesn't count. No. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Last one. Um, without clothing. Anyone ever not have clothes? No, I think we're good. Okay. Alright. So we just went through all these things that the Apostle Paul himself went through. And yet, look up here for a sec. Focus here for a little bit. I know we're having fun with this, but this is a little important. A lot of important, actually. He went through all of this. And yet we just read here in this letter to the Philippians that he says, don't worry about anything. How many of you are like, uh, Paul? How could you say that? How, how, how can you say don't be worried about anything? Yes. You can't, you're right. You can't believe you're like, how, how do you say... Don't worry about anything. How many of you have had sleepless nights where you're like, ah, this is really bothering me and I really want to go to bed and you're, and it keeps you up more and more and things like that, right? David, do you have a question? Or? Ah, yes, he was living proof. He endured through that stuff. And how do you think he endured through that? Yeah, Jesus. Great answer. Do you really think Paul did that on his, like, okay, time out first. Like, put yourself in Paul's shoes. Just, whoop, put yourself in Paul's shoes. After the second or third time of being whipped, do you really think you'd be like, all right, I'm continuing on in my own strength? How many of you would be like, I'm done? I'm out of here. How many, if you have a sleepless night, you're like, I'm out of here, I'm done. Any, anyone ever talk bad about you? Be like, forget this. Right? But yet Paul here says, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. So I want to learn from Paul. The, the guy who suffered outside of Jesus, Jesus suffered the most because of everything that he endured, and we'll get there in a second, but... The probably second closest would be the Apostle Paul who endured all of this and says, don't worry about anything. Well, how can he say that? I think there's three reasons why he says it. Because Paul learned three specific things. Number one, Paul learned to pray. Paul learned to pray. Notice in here it says, after he says, don't worry about every anything, but in everything through prayer. Now, what is prayer? Talking to God, yeah, very good. Addressing God, talking to God directly. How many of you would say sometimes you get a little hung up on how you should pray? How many of you sometimes feel like praying can be confusing? How many of you said, I I really have no idea what to say in a prayer right now? Yeah, okay. Right, very good. Here's one of the things I want you to know. Keep it simple when it comes to prayer. Prayer is addressing God, having a conversation with God. Sometimes I think we, as church people, as people, as Christians, as Christ followers, we think we have to have these big and lofty prayers and quote these and thous from the New King James Version or the King James Version. Nothing against King James Version, Quincy, alright? I'm not, not here against it. But we, we, we think we have to have these big lofty prayers. And yet, one of the most simplest and powerful prayers I've learned of late is this. Lord, Help. Amen. Anyone ever just think that's a prayer? Like, or do you guys sometimes like, oh, that's not, that's not that much of a prayer. No, you can simply address God if it's something as simple as said, God, I need help. Amen. Or God, I need help. If you want to get a little more specific, whatever that means. Praying. Paul is saying here, I don't worry about anything because I learned to pray. I learned to have a conversation with God. I've learned to have a conversation with Jesus. 
The second thing that Paul says, and he's not trying to like, like say it over and like repeat himself, but here, here's the point. The second thing that Paul said, he, or Paul learns, is that he learned to pray with urgency. Paul learned to pray with urgency. So it says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition. Alright, the word petition, don't let that word scare you, but petition means to pray with urgency about whatever concerns you. If someone's brave enough, what is one thing you're really concerned about right now? Eva. Everything going on in the world. Okay, so from with the coronavirus and and mask mandates, vax or not vax, and now we hear about Russia potentially going to invade Ukraine. There's a lot to be worried about in this world, right? Now, how often, you know, for Eva, it's what's going on in this world. You fill in whatever blank it is that you're worried about. How often do you actually pray about that? How, how often do you come to the Lord, Jesus, I am really concerned about what's going on in the world. This is why I'm fearful. This is what's going on. Or let, let's bring it back a little bit. Let's say you have a test coming up on Friday. Who has a test coming up on Friday? All right. Somebody got a test coming up, all right? Or tomorrow, whatever. Tomorrow, Friday, the next couple of days. How often have you prayed to the Lord about it? Hey, Lord, I'm really worried about this test coming up because I know it could make an impact on whether I have an A in the class or a B in the class. And Now, side note, if you didn't study, <laughs> I encourage you to study, okay? Um, <laughs> doesn't necessarily work there, but... Alright, how about, how about this? How many of you have ever had to have a difficult conversation with someone because maybe they said something, uh, bad about you or, you know, you're trying to repair a friendship or anything like that, right? How often have you prayed to the Lord about that? How often have you said, Lord, I, I really, truly love this person. I'm glad that they've been my friend, but lately we've been dealing with some issues. I don't know how to address it. I don't know the right words to say. Lord, can you help me in that moment? So Paul, what he learned in the midst of his suffering is to con- to pray, number one, but number two, to also pray with urgency about what concerns you have. That means it's not a one-time thing. We addressed this last week. We need to recognize that prayer isn't a one-time wish. We're like, God... Please send me a million dollars. Amen. And then tomorrow we don't get a million dollars and we're like, we hate you, God. When I was younger, I played a game of bingo and I would pray to God to be like, please give me G7 or something. Pray the G7. Okay. Key point with everybody. The best way to pray is actually to pray scripture. So. Amen. So when you're reading something like we're reading now, don't be anxious about anything, but prepare supplication. What we do is we pray that back to God, and you're praying a promise back to God. Will God speak, give us or deliver us on his promises? The answer is absolutely. So if you want to have a great prayer life, just pray the word of God back to God. There's your easy, shortcut answer. Amen. Very good. Thanks, Craig. Um, so, pray. Prayer. Pray with urgency. And the third thing that we learn here is that Paul learned to make a request to God. Notice that he says here, present your requests to God. Now, Jesus actually mentioned this last week on the Sermon on the Mount. I encourage you to go back and, talk and read it and you'll see what I'm talking about. But how many of you have ever been afraid, like... There's a, a specific request that you want God to know, but you haven't kind of vocalized it to Him. Yeah? Any, any, Bueller? Anyone? Anyone? Alright. Let me ask you a question. Why are you afraid to make that request? Do you... Do you sure, go ahead. Okay, you think it might be selfish? Okay, that's, that's a good one right here. Rich. 
He might say no. Okay. Anyone else? Sometimes feel like it's silly. Hmm. Who's been there before? Anyone ever think that the prayers they're saying are silly? Yeah, been there a few times. Here's the thing. All those certain things, things that, are, that could be a selfish prayer, or you feel like it's a selfish prayer, silly, or he'll say no. A lot of the times, those can be lies from the enemy, Right? Because if your goal in the prayer is to ask for a specific request that ultimately will hope to glorify God, right? That's our ultimate end goal. Everything that we do is our aim to please God in everything that we do. So if our goal is to glorify Him, it's not a selfish request, right? But the enemy would like to turn that and be like, oh, you're being selfish here in this moment. Adriana's saying it's a silly request, you know, the lie that it, it could be a silly request. Why would you think it's silly? Why would you, let me phrase that. Why do you think, why do you think God, you think God thinks the request is silly? Does that make sense? <laughs> why would you, why do you think that? I'm just curious. So, like, sometimes you feel like it's too small to be important. Mm. So, mm, mm. so how many of you have ever felt like that? That God is so big and you're so small that He doesn't really care about you? He doesn't find you important enough to answer your prayers or he may laugh at your prayer and say, the heck with you, I'm moving on. Yeah, the hand flips thing. Anyways, here's the truth. No prayer is silly to our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? No prayer is silly. If there's a specific request that you have, if there's a specific need or urgent thing you need the Lord to take care of, Continue to pray for him. And Rachel mentioned here, um, what if he says no? Anyone ever feel like that? Like God's going to say no to my request? What if he does? Right. It's in his timing. He may say no right now, but he say, wait, I've got something better. We're kind of in that season right now a little bit here as Rachel and I are trying to search for a new home. Um, We've seen a couple homes, and we're like, oh, they look nice, and then we're like, nope. <laughs> and so, you know, we think of our request maybe could be a little silly when we're looking for that. But anyways, the point that I, I want to make here is that we, just like Paul here learned, is that we need to learn to make our requests known to God. Yes, he knows our hearts, and he knows everything, but when we vocalize it to him, to verbalize it to him, there just seems to be this more sense of peace. Any of you... Well, let's go to this analogy here for example. All right. Wow. Thanks, Toby. The box, yeah. Kids ministry, yes. Okay. I'm bringing it up here. All right. Let's pretend this is your heart. Say hi, heart. I don't think that's working, but pretend it's beating, okay? This is your heart. It's no, it's beating, I promise, alright? Now, now, let's pretend that's your heart. It's healthy, it's beating. Blood is flowing through your veins. That's a great analogy, isn't it? Alright, it's working. Now, let's hypothetically say... Now, let's hypothetically say you're, you're dealing with something. Someone shout out something you're dealing with. What did you say? Drug. Alright. Alright. Worried about grades, but let's hypothetically say, let's focus, focus, focus. Let's say you're worried about grades, but you, you've never prayed about it. You, you've never asked the Lord to help you with your worriness or anxiety. And so you think that God doesn't care about you, so you build a wall. Now, 
All right, someone mentioned a drug issue. Who knows? Maybe someone in here really does have a drug issue. I don't, I don't want to make fun of them for that, but let's hypothetically say you do have a drug issue. And you're starting to realize you're becoming addicted to it. And instead of coming to the Lord, because the, the drugs are actually making you feel anxious more and more, instead of actually coming to the Lord to it, and you actually start blaming God for getting you addicted... That wasn't supposed to happen. You build a wall around your heart. Say you have a friendship issue. And you can't believe your so-called friend could say something very mean or lying to you and, and you think, Lord... Why would you allow this to happen? You do, and instead of coming to the Lord with your issue, you start to blame God, and so you build another. I have a point to this, so give me a minute. Let's say you're worried about everything that's happening in this world. And you don't believe in the promise, actually, in Scripture that says that Jesus has overcome the world. Instead, you start to believe that God doesn't actually exist. So like Pharaoh in Exodus, you build a... What are you... Hey, for those who can see, hopefully all of you can see. That's why I brought it up here. What? Where's your heart? It's, it's in the wall. But... How many of you think because the wall you're building around your heart is actually causing some issues with your relationship with the Lord? Right? So, let's say you're worried about, I don't know, semis and proms are coming up soon. A prom date. And you don't get a prom date or a semi-formal date. God, I hate you because you didn't give me a date. So another wall is built. God, I can't believe you would allow my grandmother to get sick. Another wall, it's built. God, I can't believe. Someone help me out here. God, I'm very fearful of the future, and instead of allowing you to be in control of it, I'm going to try to control it and build a wall. God, I was once told my mom and dad love each other, but now they are getting a divorce, and I'm really worried and concerned about this. And God, I'm blaming you that this is happening. God, I came to play Hungry Hungry Hippos today, and I got hit in the face. Just kidding. I pick on Dante because I know he's not building a wall. Well, I hope not, anyways. He's building a wall. <laughs> yeah. That's a great question. Where's that heart? And so, so you, you continue to go on through life with, listen, with different worries and anxieties and hardships. And instead of coming to the Lord or coming to, coming to people that you trust to help you and minister to you, you just start to build more bricks to this wall. 
And then eventually the wall gets so high that you don't want anything to do with God. You don't want anything to do with those around you. You can't trust people. And your heart, like Pharaoh, is made of stone. He's your own. It's like what? Yeah, isolating yourself. You're isolating yourself from all the situations. You're isolating yourself from the one, listen, from the one person who can help you through it all. And you're saying, I don't want your help. But yet, you're still worried about the future. You're still worried about your grades. You're still worried about whether or not you're going to have a prom date or not. You're worried about what's happening in your family situation. You're worried about and can't understand why your grandmother or grandfather is sick. You can't understand why your mom or your dad are sick. You can't understand why your so-called friend would say what they said. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't understand and you have this wall. That you build up and you think is going to prop you and get you through the rest of your life. Let me be honest with you. It doesn't work. Building this wall doesn't work. And I don't say that just out of theory. I say that because that's something I'm learning to stop doing. Listen, for those who are new, you, you, you don't know this, so six months ago, Rachel and I, we, we lost our baby girl. And afterwards, I dealt with a lot of anxieties and fears and depression, not just from that, but from other things that have happened in my life. I'll name a few things. I was cheated on three different times. Never dealt with it. I had one friend who said he was my friend and backstabbed me through his words and some of his actions when I was in college. I had a tough life growing up with my relationship with my mom and my dad weren't necessarily the best. Specifically with my dad. There's other things I can say, but instead of dealing with the hurt, I built this wall. Stay out. I don't trust anyone. Yes, I have all these fears and anxiety and it keeps me up all night and I'm, and I'm still mad at what that person did to me seven years ago and, and, uh, that, that girl that I dated back in high school, I'm still mad at her for whatever she decided to do, or whatever. And I'm dealing with bitterness, anger, frustration, anxiety. God, why... Why did my little girl have to die so young? Now, instead of building a wall of hate... What I've learned through prayer, urgently praying, and making a request to the Lord, slowly but surely, the walls come down. instead of having a heart of stone, instead of having a heart that is no longer able to trust, instead of a heart that has anger, instead of a heart that worries and is anxious about every single thing in my life, I have a heart 
that has peace beyond all understanding. And so my hope and prayer for you tonight, through this little demonstration, is that you truly believe that you can kick the walls of fear and anxiety and depression out. Sorry, Matthias. <laughs> you can kill these walls and not have a heart of stone, not have a heart that distrusts in everyone, including God. But you can have peace. True peace. That only comes from Christ and Christ alone. Because here's one thing you need to know. Craig mentioned about promises and things that you can hold on to. You may think that God is distant. You may think that God is not in the midst of your season. You may think that God doesn't understand what you're dealing with. But Hebrews 4, 15-16 says the following, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our, weakness, with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Jesus knows your battle with anxiety. How do I know that? Because right before he went to the cross, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed, prayed so anxiously that he was sweating blood. Anyone ever sweat blood because you were so anxious? It's a medical condition, but he was so anxious, he was sweating blood. And yet he did not fall into temptation. He did not give into his own will, but he was still submissive to the Father's will. He humbled himself to the cross. And through the power of God, he was raised three days later. Here's what I want you to know. And I'm not going to call the worship team. We're not going to play the worship. We're going to pray and go into small groups because I want you guys to have some conversation time. But here's what I want you to know. Number one, Jesus knows your battle with your anxiety. I I don't know what worriness or anxious thoughts you are dealing with, whether it's school or relationship issues or issues at home. I want you to know that Jesus knows your battle. Jesus knows... What you are worried about. But here's the thing. Jesus is not to blame. Jesus is not to blame. In fact, Jesus is where you can find peace. Jesus is where you can find peace in the midst of your darkest storms. So are you dealing with some anxiety? Is there something you're worried about? The Apostle Paul here, he he went through a lot. He endured a lot through preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And yet, he tells us here, don't be worried about anything. You don't want to worry. You want to kill anxiety. And I'm not guaranteeing it's going to happen overnight. It may be a daily process. It will be a daily process every day where you have to kill, get this whatever... Destroyed. But I promise you, Jesus will kill it. He will destroy it. And in the midst of your darkest season, whether it's right now or a future one to come, you can have peace that is beyond all understanding. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for tonight, Lord. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. 
I thank you that you chose a man like Paul to suffer, to be whipped 39 times, five different times, to be shipwrecked three different times, to have nights where he didn't have food or clothing or shelter, or he was in the middle of an open sea day and night. And yet, he writes in this letter, don't be worried or anxious about anything. And the reason we see that is because he prayed, he prayed with urgency, and he made his requests known to you. Father God, I pray that we learn from the truth of this, that even in the midst of our toughest battles, in the midst when we're feeling anxious, in the midst when we're feeling worried, that that is a time to not cave in to that emotion, but to cling to You, Jesus. To come to You requesting, Lord, please take this worriness away. Or even saying, Lord, I am worried about this conversation. I am worried about my family. I am worried about what's going on in school. I am worried about what's going on in this world. Father God, I pray that we can all find peace that is without understanding. A peace that only comes from You and You alone. Because we can cling to the promise that while, yes, we will have trials, yes, we will have battles here on this earth, we can rejoice in knowing that You have overcome this world. You overcame this world. You overcame the brokenness of this world. You overcame the curse of sin in this world by living a perfect life, dying for our sins, and three days later, rising out of the grave conquering sin and death. And you have made it known that one day you are coming back to restore all things. That a new heaven and a new earth will be revealed. All the worry and anxiety that we deal with right here on this earth will be taken care of because of your perfect justice. Let us find peace in that. Let us not build walls around our heart. Let us not build walls that don't want us to trust you, trust anyone who who preaches or teaches from the Bible. But instead, Lord, I pray today that walls start to come down. That eventually those hearts are not hearts of stone, but hearts that are filled with your joy and your peace and your love and your promises. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What time is it? Hi, Pastor Mike here. Thank you for listening to the Morning Star Student Ministry Podcast. Whatever your age, my hope and prayer is that you grow a desire to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through these messages. For more information about the Morning Star Fellowship Student Ministry, or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, please visit www.mstarqtown.org and search M Star Students. God bless and have a great week.